The Nets make some key coaching hires heading into the season, which could signal that player development is going to be more of a focus for the team going forward. We're going to break that down and more right after the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day of the week. I am Doug Norrie, owner and operator of DFSR.com. That's dailyfantasysportsrankings.com. If you need projections for FanDuel and or DraftKings, we've got you covered at DFSR. Go over and grab a free trial. No big deal. We've been one of the longest running outfits in the entire industry. No Adam Armbrecht on the podcast today. It's okay. We got plenty to talk about here in Brooklyn Nets land as we roll through the offseason, getting through the NBA Finals, getting into the NBA draft coming up here in just a couple weeks where the Nets could actually have some things cooking. Uh, We'll be covering more draft prospects over the course of the week. But the story from over the weekend in Brooklyn Nets land is that they hired two new coaches to start rounding out some of Jacques Vaughn's staff going into next season. And it seems like with some of these hires that they're making now that we could be looking at more of a um, focus on player development going forward. Something that I don't know, you could argue that maybe hasn't been there for the Nets over the last couple of years uh, with certain players or just, you know, in general, the player development. I'm not sure that I'm not sure. We, there's we've seen a ton of great strides <laughs> at times with this with this team, but with the news that the team is going to be hiring and has hired Kevin Ollie and Ronnie Burrell, we'll talk about both dudes uh, over the course of this podcast. Uh, it does seem to signal that there could be maybe some at least small or maybe large changes happening within the organization and who they're trying to target uh, to be on the bench with this team as they begin to have a somewhat of a new look coaching staff under Vaughn after some other players moved on, or excuse me, other coaches moved on over this offseason, took other gigs, were let go, you know, just kind of the coaching carousel, especially around the assistant coaches and deeper end of the bench, second row guys, uh, can be something of a, you know, moving target. It it doesn't always, uh, there doesn't always seem to be, you know, year-to-year turn. There does seem to be year-to-year turnover with this kind of thing. Consistency can be tough, and that makes sense. You know, there's different guys angling for different jobs or trying to move their way up the ranks and seeing better situations elsewhere. But the hiring of Kevin Ollie, uh, who we'll talk about first, and then Ronnie Burrell does seem to me to be sort of along the same lines of where the Nets might be putting some of their focus in these recent hires when it comes to the coaching staff. Uh, for the for starters, Ollie uh, is coming out of overtime elite where he was the head coach. Uh, he was the first like sort of iteration of the head coaching scheme there at the, I will call it basketball factory that they have going there at overtime with trying to put together, you know, a situation of development that's outside of the college ranks that can, you know, move players closer toward the NBA as, uh, as just like an organizational sort of thing and, and just not have to go through the NCAA piece of it and just start develop developing players there. He was the coach. Um, and if you, read into some of the reporting that was around the Ali hire that he was very, very close to 
possibly getting the Detroit Pistons head coaching job that eventually went to Monty Williams, where Detroit just like backed up the Brinks truck uh, from Monty Williams coming out of Phoenix. Uh, and Ali at that point, you know, was in the running for that gig, but ultimately um, did not uh, did not get it. it was, you know, it's n- n- no, no slight there. Monty Williams, really, really well established coach coming out of the Phoenix situation. So, uh, you know, they wanted to put a name there. They gave him a ton of years. They gave him a ton of money losing out, so to speak, quote unquote, losing out uh, on that situation. You know, that's not a knock for for a guy like Kevin Ali, who by all accounts is a really, really, really well-respected guy in in the coaching ranks right now. Had been with, with overtime, had been with UConn for a while where he had taken over from Jim Calhoun. There was some stuff that went on around um, where he was ultimately dismissed from UConn for violations, but then he ended up going back and suing the school for wrongful termination, and I believe ended up winning the winning the lawsuit. So whether he was fired, you know, incorrectly, or the things that were the accusations that came down from his time in UConn ended up being, you know not having merit to them. Uh, he was able to take a, a, a settlement there uh, from the, from the university over the firing. So it kind of comes out probably, you know, with his name intact along, along those lines, but you know, he had a pretty long sort of career as an NBA role player was part of a Sixers team that I really, really liked living in Philly in the late nineties, uh, early two thousands. He was part of that Iverson group uh, playing guard there with the Sixers. So if you're following there, had a brief stint with the Nets, went back to the Sixers, basically played with every NBA team uh, over the course of his career. It's pretty, pretty hilarious. Mavericks, magic Kings, Sixers, Nets, Bulls, Pacers, Bucks, Sonics, Cavs, back to the Sixers, uh, Timberwolves, Thunder. That was and that's uh, his playing career did overlap his time with Kevin Durant and that crew when OKC was looking uh, very, very strong. That that Durant, Westbrook, Harden group um, from those years in the late aughts that and ultimately did like make it to the finals and then broke up. And there's quotes that come out from Durant specifically years ago where he had said that he credited Kevin Ali for having like just kind of bringing a, a really big part of the professionalism to that team and, and showing these guys uh, the relative ropes when it came to NBA, just sort of like how to conduct yourself in the NBA. R- again, with Ali, this is a really, really strong hire by the Nets. Um, if you are in the running for an, any head coaching job and you lose out to Monty Williams, again, that's uh, it's not something you put on your resume, but it can be mentioned as a, you know, this is a superlative here for a guy like Kevin Ali. And the p- time where he had an overtime elite where, you know, that's that's strictly player development, right? That's pl- that's player development and personal development, right? Because your overtime is essentially positioned itself as a feeder system eventually for the NBA, right? Like this is it's all player development. And when you're a feeder system for the NBA, you're training athletes not only to be you know ready for the rigors of the game on the court, but off the court as well. I mean, like that's a huge, huge part of what it comes to be an NBA player is, you know, conducting, being able to play at the level that these NBA guys can play for starters, for sure. And then ultimately being able to carry yourself professionally in a way that is going to make it so that you are, you know, uh, a, a person and a player, the teams want to draft. And thus all this, all this stuff wraps up into one. So, Ali coming out of that situation where obviously the f- complete and utter focus is all player development, I think really does begin to signal a, a nice uh, 
not shift necessarily, but a nice tone for what the Nets could be putting together here for this next iteration of the team that, you know, ultimately probably was going to end up looking a little younger, is going to need some player development pieces to just, you know, they're coming out. We're going into a situation where they have two draft picks in the first round this year. You're, they have, they do have some younger guys, um, you know, sort of flitting around the edges of the roster that they're probably going to ultimately need to make decisions on. And not to mention just the guys they have on the roster now who are in their, you know, mid to getting toward upper twenties that still are going to, you know, have places to expand on their game. So I think the Kevin Ollie signing ultimately is a really, really encouraging one when it comes to like where the nets are headed here, what they might be putting their focus on, bringing another really you know well-respected professional into the room, a guy that the younger guys clearly will and should listen to. Not to say that the other Nets coaches, that wasn't the case with these guys, but an established name in the NBA community that has been vouched for by superstars in the past, has been at multiple stops along the circuit here, NCAA ranks, college development, uh, player development ranks, a guy whose name among those circles should ring out. I, I think we have to feel really, really encouraged by this, by this addition to Jacques Vaughn's staff, because I just wonder, you know, not to, I, I just not sure this has been something that has been at the forefront of what the Nets have been trying to do over the last couple of years, which is to take young players and turn them into more than they were when they came into the league. And Ollie's coming off a situation in overtime where like, he was coaching the, the Thompson twins. Those are the two biggest guys coming out of that program into this draft, both projected to go top 10. I mean, Eamon's probably going to go top four or five, although Auser seems to be climbing up draft boards as we speak as well. Um, not to say that, that the situation is going to, you know, they're not nets aren't signing Kevin Ollie to move themselves up into the, I don't think move themselves up into the draft to grab either of those two guys, but he oversaw a development system that again is about to produce I mean, they're twins, but it's about to produce two top 10 picks. So ultimately, we're feeling pretty good about this hire uh, with Kevin Ollie that I think it does signal the, the sort of the correct way to go when it comes to where the Nets probably need to begin starting to put a new and renewed focus uh, on their team and on their team building strategy. That player development is going to be really important. And I think they signaled that is going to be at least part of the core philosophy going forward with the hiring of Ronnie Burrell, who we will talk about here in a second. First, going to tell you about our friends over at prize picks. Prize picks has got a great promotion, a million dollar daily super promotion going through the NBA playoffs. And now the NBA finals every day, the finals right now, one prize picks user is going to get a chance to become a millionaire. Every one entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern will be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed that entry will be given a six pick flex on prize picks. Six correct picks on that one $1 million. Five, 80,000, four, 16,000. You can find all the details for this at prizepicks.com slash million. You got to opt in at that link if you want to be uh, eligible for the million dollar entry. Look, PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. You're making entries. You're just going more or less on their player projections. For the NBA, it's easy. More or less on the points, the rebounds, the assists, the blocks, the steals. That's what you're just going for on individual players. You pile these together. You put two to six players together. Figure out if they're going to score more or less on the PrizePix projection, and you can win up to 25 times your money. You're not competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Download the PrizePix app. Or go to prizepicks.com to sign up to play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 
$100 with the promo code locked on. You deposit 100, prize picks will give you 100. You deposit 50, prize picks will give you 50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right, the other signing, coaching signing that the Nets made uh, over the course of this weekend. This one, we could, you could kind of see this one coming, uh, and that was Ronnie Burrell. That is uh, moves from the MB, the the Nets G League affiliate, the Long Island Nets, and moves up in, onto the bigger stage here, and is going to sit uh, with Jacques and company uh, when it comes to next season. This one was expected once we saw Igor, uh, once we saw uh, Royal Ivy sort of move out, uh, move out of the coaching uh, carousel. We knew that there was some openings here on the Nets staff. Uh, Jay Hernandez has been added to that staff, but we knew that there was going to be some other openings, and that the Nets were likely expected uh, for Ronnie Burrell to move into into the uh, into the main group here uh, over the course of the offseason, and that is exactly what they did. Uh, another guy, again, when we're talking about player development, when we're talking about having worked with some of the younger players for the Nets, uh, he was the coach of the year for the G League this year uh, for Long Island, and it was well-deserved uh, coming out of the season that they had. Uh, he had been there since well, – that was the first time um, – excuse me, it was the second time in franchise history uh, that they had uh, gotten that, and then the first for Long Island since the 2018-19 season. Um, he's, been in, he's been with this Brooklyn organization for a long time, Burrell. He's a player development, new video assistant, um, and ultimately they finished uh, – what was their record? They first, the first defensive rating this year, just reading through some of the, the notes that came through the press release, um, and shot really well from three. And held the defense, uh, held the opponents to a pretty low field goal percentage. Defense uh, seemed to be a piece of what they really were trying to instill there on Long Island. Um, he was recognized. He was coached the month twice in the G League in, in January and February. And so this is just a, a nice organizational hire here uh, in Ronnie Burrell. And that, again, I think a lot of people thought was probably going to be the case because, look, he had set himself and put himself in a position where this was like sort of well-deserved have been with the organization for a while as uh, knowledge and relationships with a bunch of the younger players having come up through these G league guys. And so at that point, when you've sort of proven you can do it on that level where he's done it for multiple seasons with the G league at that point, I mean, it's kind of clear in terms of the timeline overall of what's going to be happening with like a guy like this, right? It's like, you've been in the organization, you proved you can do it. It's time to move up to the bigger stage because that's just sort of how these things work. It's like, it's like your regular job, right? It's like, you did <laughs> pretty good at the lower ranks. It's time to keep moving you up. Uh, and that's what happens with, that's what happened with Burrell. Uh, really, really well liked within the organization. Well-respected. Uh, like I said, had just shown good results w with the G league, with the long Island. And that's at that point, really all you can ask for uh, when it comes to, making a hire here and along with the Kevin Ollie hiring, like it makes, it shows you that they're kind of like, these are the sort of like where we're going with player development. Like, Oh, you know, this is going to be something of a focus. And you know, if you look down at what, who was playing for long Island this year, some familiar names, the guys that got uh, the most games played. Yeah. Actually, I was a little surprised by some of the stats overall, but kind of Chris Chioza played the second most games down on Long Island, but he saw a lot of David Duke down there who played 22 games. Alondis Williams, who, you know, brief cup of coffee with the big squad this year, he played 24 games. Um, 
the guy Noah Kirkwood, who they drafted last year, he played 29 games. We saw Raekwon Gray played 18 games for the G League. He made um, an appearance there very late in the season. Kessler Edwards did have some G League appearances before he was ultimately traded. Uh, and like I said, David Duke played the 22 games. He led the team in uh, minutes per game when he was actually playing down there and led the team in points per game when he was playing down there. Jordan Bowden had the, one of the nicer seasons there. He was playing like 33 minutes a game. Uh, pretty effective shooting uh, from the, at least from the field uh, and was one of their leading scorers. So Ronnie Burrell moving into this position, uh, well-deserved. Again, I think coupling these two pieces together with where the Nets are, um, it just it makes total sense for sort of like what they need what they need for their team right now, like what the Nets need to be putting together as an organization with a focus on like, where are we going when it comes to some of these younger guys? I think if you look over the course of the last season and sort of how things have been going with, and look, this is what happens when you have a Kevin Durant and a Kyrie Irving for a while, James Harden, like when you have superstars and those guys are going to command a lot of attention and you, those guys are going to command just a lot of just, you know, they're the sun around which the rest of the team sort of orbits and revolves. Uh, it's just going to be difficult sometimes to have a sort of focus on player development just because those guys are going to command a lot of the attention and it's going to be hard to, you know, bring up some young guys. And honestly, with some of those guys, you know, with KD and, and, and not necessarily Kyrie, there's there was sometimes just sort of digs around like whether or not they even want to be playing with some of these younger guys. Right. Like we saw Durant make comments in the past around just guys that he didn't seem to maybe respect or be wanting to play with or at least casting like moderate aspersions on what the situation looked like with, with where the roster was. This is like during that time uh, over the course of the winter, when he mentioned Sumner and these guys as maybe not being up to the NBA quality that he, he was expecting point being player development. I think over the last few years for the Nets has been tough. I think it's maybe something that they've just gotten away from. They've, you know, they drafted some guys, those guys haven't played tons. When you bring in some, guys who player development is their main core of their backgrounds. I think you are saying at least in the outward way, Hey, this is what we need to have a little bit more focus on. This is what is going to drive us probably over the next few years as we're not at least right now on a championship timeline. We have to get back to a situation where they are taking players and having those players be more valuable when they leave the team than when they get to the team, something that the team was known for for a while. Adam and I have talked a ton about this over the last couple of years is that, you know, for a while, these, the Nets were sort of like a diamond in the rough team. And I'm just not sure that's happened. So really, really like the signings uh, just to say for the 50th time here, like the, the Ali signing, like the Burl signing, think that it signals the correct direction for the organization overall think this is where the focus should be think this is what they should be focusing want to talk a little bit more about the player development sort of like the young guys uh with when it comes to the draft also and just sort of how the nets maybe might vision some of these guys going forward we will get back into that in a second all right closing out the show here wanted to just talk a little bit about like sort of where the nets roster is right now relative to like why the player development piece um, it's like, I don't know, I wouldn't call it troubling, but why it's been like, has just gone on such a back burner 
over the last couple of years. And even like right now with the current way the, this, this roster looks like why it is, it's not disturbing, but why this team is like sort of like in this weird in between spot, because the way the team is constructed now, they have like actually do have a decent amount, even if like forget like Curry, who's probably not coming back. Um, and like Watanabe, we're not sure about, they do have like established veterans on this team. Mikhail, I'm going to call him established veteran, like maybe, you know, burgeoning superstar they have Dinwiddie coming back at least for right now they have Joe Harris coming back at least for right now Dorian Finney-Smith they got him for another three years unless he gets traded Royce O'Neal veteran they have Claxton whose star is on the rise uh, Patty Mills who maybe just be being like more of like a player coach going forward not really sure like that's just a lot of NBA veterans slash middle NBA middle age ish kind of guys in the squad so even in this new version of the team as it stands now it might still be hard to start finding minutes for younger guys to start seeing what you have. Again, these things could end up changing. We're going to see around draft night. We're going to see how free agency goes uh, to see sort of like what direction the nets end up taking here. You know, if they go the Dame Lillard direction where the young guys and the draft picks go out the door, then maybe we're talking about a different situation, right? If they go like, like the Pascal Siakam thing or like whatever, you know, these are all just like sort of rumors hanging around the NBA atmosphere and the NBA ecosystem. But there is a chance going with this year with two draft picks this year and some of the younger guys, they probably have to start making some decisions on here in the next year. Like this is the opportunity. If this team were to stay in their current form, this is the opportunity to start really, really seeing what you have with your young guys from the draft perspective. Look, mock draft stuff's all over the place right now. We're going to talk some more of these guys uh, this coming week. If you, depending on which mock draft you go to, you're going to get different versions of who the nets could take. Like there's a really, really wide spectrum. If they were to stick in 21 and 22 in those picks, there's a really wide spectrum around, um, like just like the sort of player and the actual player that the nets might take. You read five different mock drafts. There's five different players in the, in the, and that's going to happen too. Like when you're in the twenties, cause lots of different things can happen, but I will say the middle of this draft, at least right now with a few weeks left to go is kind of all over the place in player evaluation and where people and think that different guys are going to land. I think that really could work in the Nets' favor because they might be able to end up drafting some pretty high upside guys if they were able to slip, but like that's not it's not guaranteed but it's looking like it's going to be the case like it looks like there's going to be a situation where the nets are going to probably be able to land a probably maybe even two pretty good players here you know for 21 and 22 like guys who could be pretty raw but have some upside guys who have maybe a lot of tools but there has to be some things worked out you know guys who have maybe had injury stuff drop them down like I saw Derek Whitehead had been maybe projected the fall of 21. Like that would be pretty great. I saw there was a draft that went up on Bleacher Report with Whitehead uh, and Leonard Miller at 21 and 22. Like we would, t- I think the Nets fans could sign up to take that all day long. So you're already talking about if they were sticking 21, 22, just having to develop two dudes right there that probably are going to need to like be part of what the Nets are trying to build going on to the future. Cause at some point you just have to have draft picks that actually play something else. The Nets have not done a ton of over the last couple of years. 
we got the Cam Thomas situation. Like, what's going to happen with him? Is there going to be someone that can not, I don't want to say get through to him, but like, is there a guy that can maybe begin expanding on what his game could actually look like and grow and, and be more of a well-rounded player? Like, that's a player development piece. Like, what's the situation here with David Duke? Like, do you think he's going to be an NBA viable player? I don't know. Like, we've seen flashes of him being able to do some stuff. It, it's, you know, there may be, Maybe he's got some physical limitations that in terms of size that ultimately mean that's not going to happen, but having to figure that out, they're on sharp, right? Like we have some young guys who got to make a decision on here. Even like a guy like some, they're like 27 years old. Hey, like, I mean, getting a little older here, but he doesn't have tons of NBA miles on him just because of injuries and stuff. But like we saw flashes of him being able to put it together. And like I said, you have Claxton um, bridges only 26 like that. There's room for expansion in his game. Like there's a lot there is stuff happening here for the Nets where I begin. I do believe the pivot could start happening um, when, in terms of some young guys that you're going to have to like have people on the staff that you trust to make good evaluative decisions around the personnel, good evaluative decisions around like the skills and the temperament and the personality and sort of everything that ends up needing to happen when it comes to the guys in the court. We didn't even talk about Simmons. Like, is there ever going to be a change in Simmons game? Ah, I'm not confident. You know, you see the IG stuff. It's a time-honored tradition during the summer to see Ben Simmons' workout videos. Never involves him shooting a ball. But, you know, the weights look like he's getting pretty big, so hopefully he's getting healthy. Um, you know, but these are all the situations that the Nets really have to have like a very firm handle on. They have to have a very, very firm idea, plan, scope, and strategy going forward about what's going to happen with the younger players and where they're going to fit into the overall scheme of the franchise. I don't think that's been a part of what they've been operating with in the last couple of years. I get it. They were on a different trajectory. They had different guys, different temperament. The whole thing was different. This is a reset. The Nets have to start looking different now. It has to be, it ha- there has to be more of a focus on this thing going forward. So not to like belabor the point too much, but I, I did come away. I rarely going to, you know, we're rarely going to talk for a long, long period of time about coaching, si- coach signings and like, you know, who's going to sit end of the bench because I just don't, oftentimes it can kind of, uh, sometimes it means a lot. Sometimes it means very little. I do think I like what this signals. I like the direction the Nets seem to be going here. I do wonder if this means other things are going to kind of shift in around that happen on draft night. I think that there's that's still probably very much in play one way or the other. But bringing in really well-respected guys, bringing guys who are respected from like different aspects, one more of like an overall NBA guy, like NBA lifer, knows everybody, Seems like just about everyone loves them. Really, really well respected in the NBA community, even at the highest levels when it comes to taking head coaching jobs and also the highest respected collegiate stuff when he was hired with UConn and the overtime elite piece. And Kevin Ollie, you have to really, really like that hire. And just promoting from within when a guy shows that he deserves the next up with Ronnie Burrell, that makes sense to me as well. So like the hires, like what's happening here with the Nets, um, do come out of the weekend feeling good about some of these quasi lower level moves that could signal something else going forward. We are going to break down more draft stuff this week. There's more guys to cover. Um, like I said, with such a wide range of outcomes in the draft, I will, could be all over the place with who we're projecting, but that's going to make for a really fun draft night. I, I think the draft night is going to be a lot of fun in terms of where the nets, what could happen with the nets here, just with having those two picks, what could happen with them, you know, moving up in the draft, moving down in the draft, having guys slip to them possibly that have a lot of upside. I think uh, I think we're setting up in a situation where this could be really, really cool. All right, 
We are going to get out of here. Like I said, Adam and I will be back again this week talking uh, more draft stuff. I, oh, make sure you subscribe to YouTube if you want to get in on what's happening over on YouTube. Really, really appreciate all the comments that have come up there. If you want to get in there, make sure you subscribe over at Locked On Nets on YouTube. As always, we get to this part of the podcast. Adam is always coming in with the quotes from the great American poets. Don't have one here, so we'll just say Adam Armbrecht once again is one of the great American poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.